0: Well, take your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter number five. Acts chapter number five, and that's where we've, uh, we've been. We've been in this series of uh, Acts for a while, and I'm grateful. We're doing a study on the book of Acts, and we want to be an Acts church for today. And so the study of Acts just worked so well for us, and we concluded last week. Uh, we ended right at acts uh, five twenty nine we 're going to pick up right at acts five twenty nine and try to finish Acts chapter five as best as we can in the lord today we're going to go to prayer one more time. Father, I pray that as your word is being declared. Father, I want to hide behind the cross. May your word, may your spirit come alive in our hearts and in this moment. And Lord, I pray that as we desire to feast upon your word, that you would help us. So for some, we will need the milk of the word. So God, I pray that you would take the infallible, uh, inerrant word of God, and you would make it come alive to, uh, to, to be milk for those that need that. And Lord, those that are mature believers in the Lord who, who need to eat and uh, have heavy protein and steak. So So God, I pray that that would be what they would receive today. But Lord, my job, my responsibility is only to uh, share and to boldly proclaim what you have put in my heart through the teaching and studying of your word uh, from your Holy Spirit and your word this week. So Father, I pray you would do your job. Your word would do its job. We know it will because the word of God never returns void. There's power in the living word of God and in the living spirit of God. And we thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Acts 5, number 29. We'll begin reading. But Peter, the apostles, Peter and the apostles' answers. Now, can we read these words together? We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. Now, the backdrop of this story is that. Peter, uh, Peter, along with the other apostles, they were being persecuted. As we talked about last week, the persecuted church, they were thrown into jail. And we remember from last week that an angel of the Lord opened that door to that prison cell and allowed them to be set free. They went out and the angel of the Lord told them a few verses prior, said, go stand in the temple and preach. And so they obeyed the word of that angel from the Lord and they did exactly that. And they were even told, the, the, the Sadducees and the high priest came and over to the temple and arrested them and threw them back in the prison. Now, how many of you would say, you know what, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to do it that way again and I am not going back to that prison. Many of you probably, like me, would have thought something along those lines, like, you know, I did my time and I'm, I'm good with that now and I'm not going back there again. Instead, they chose to disobey the command, if you will, from the high priest and from the chief council and from the Sadducees who told them, do not preach the word of God in public again. And instead, they did exactly that. They went back into prison, but they were not going to stop. And that's where we pick back up in verse number 30. Peter declares to them, no, we're not going to obey you. Instead, we're going to honor God. God told us, and we are going to obey. Verse number 30, but God, uh, the God of our fathers, raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. I love this. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things so that the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now there's that word obey again. So there's a pattern here. We see that we would rather obey God than man. And then we have another uh, acknowledgement of just obeying God. Verse number 33, when they heard these things, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care. Now, I spoke with a different tone because when you're religious, you've got to speak with a different tone. You've got to be more dignified. That's why I put on a coat today because I have to look a little more dignified. That's how you do it. You know, they, they, he was like, all right, may have your attention, men of Israel. Let, listen to what I have to say because I'm of the council. And so he boldly declares, Gamaliel does, and he gave orders. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. But before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to Nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up on the days of the census and drew away of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. This Gamaliel was basically saying in so many words, as he has everyone's attention along with the apostles, and he says, now, you got to be careful, because there was a guy who started doing what you were doing, and you know what happened to him? He was killed. And you remember that, Judas? Judas? He likewise was killed, but he was doing it in that pious, pretentious way, like, I'm just, I'm helping you out. Has anybody ever tried to help you out and they spoke down on you? <laughs> That's what he was doing. He was, now, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm here to do you a favor. I'm here to do you a solid. So if you will, don't go out and proclaim and, you know, you will be okay You remember Judas? Do you remember uh, this guy named Theodos? He likewise happened to him as well. So you might want to be careful. And so that was the kind warning from this man, Gamaliel. And so we continue on the reading. Verse number 38. So in the present case. So guys, I'm telling you right now. I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Here's why I want you to let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. He actually had really sound, solid advice. He was telling them, listen, we can put them in jail again. The angel of the Lord may or may not rescue them and let them out. But one thing's for sure. We'll go ahead and do you remember this guy named Theodos. Do you remember this guy named Judas and he was killed. They'll probably be killed. But, but, you know, what they're saying has some, has some credence and has some validity. So you might want to, let's, let's just compromise, if you will. I'll use that word for the sake of context here. Listen. If it is of man, don't worry, they're going to fail. Almost to say they're in their own demise. It's, it's, it's going to fail, but if it be of God, we're not going to be able to stop it anyways. That's some sound wisdom there. Sometimes we as human, in our human nature, we have the unrighteousness, if you will, but in our own righteousness, we we think we have to make the opinions and be not only the judge, not only be the attorney or the prosecutor, we're making every decision both ways. And so we're already putting people in condemnation or invalidation, either one. And we have to be, we have to be sensitive and be careful. That's not our calling. But here, Gamaliel is giving a sound advice here. He's saying, listen, if it is of God, you better let them alone because God, you can't stop that. And I want to say to you and to this church, listen, if it is of God, oh, let that brother go. Let that sister live on for the Lord. Let them be in subjection to the Lord and answer to the Lord because they don't answer to you and I. Likewise, may I say to you, if you think you're following the Lord and you're actually not, it will Fail, and it will fail every single time. You see, we must be always careful to practice Acts five, twenty nine. I, you, me, we would always obey who? God, rather than man. You see, sometimes man does have sound advice. But the Bible says to try the spirits or to prove the spirits, if it be of God. And so we've got to have a discerning spirit. And we can always try that, not against what I feel, but against what the Bible says, because this is the author and finisher of our faith. And so we go to the book. And so here are these guys continuing to give this advice. And let's finish it out. What he has to say. They, they said, and, and let them go. In verse 41... Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Referring to the apostles, left the presence of the the council and now they went away. And they actually said, you know what? We would rather obey God than man. And so, if it means that we would have to suffer, so be it. What an attitude! That attitude was not one uh, of flippantly uh, being saying with my mouth and then doing another thing. Have you ever been in a situation? You can imagine if the apostles did did this. Okay, we promise. (laughs) We promised not to, not to go out in public and declare the word anymore. But then that was only to get out of the situation, only to be in, well, the Bible does say that I ought to obey God rather than man. No, it wasn't like that compromising situation. They in boldness said, you know what? We'll be counted worthy and it's an honor to obey God rather than man. And so in the presence of the council they, and the witnesses, they said, you know what? We would be counted worthy honored to be able to suffer for the name of the Lord. Verse number 42, and we'll conclude in uh, Acts chapter 5. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I love that. Let's look at that one more time in verse number 41. I apologize if it's not on the screen, but in Acts 5 uh, verse number 42, if you are in need of a Bible, we have Bibles right underneath your seats there as well. You're welcome to follow along in that portion. Verse number 42, it says, and every day, what's interesting is they were just given a warning. You better not do it anymore. And here they are every single day, house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ Is Jesus. I love what the book of Hebrews says. And so much the more as the day approaching. That we would gather and worship together. Teaching and receiving the word of God. That's what they were doing. They were already practicing that. Unbelievable. Now I want you to take your attention to Hebrews chapter number uh, five. I'm sorry. uh, Six. five, uh, Five. Verse seven through eight. I want you to notice something here. Because this is a parallel scripture of our obedience to God. Oh, I love it. I love the... Let me hear those pages rustle again. Ah, there it is. There's something special about the Bible being turned. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications and with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Now, you got to remember... Jesus was born for the purpose of dying on the cross. That was his command from his heavenly father. And so, if you'll remember in the Garden of Eden, even though he knew what his mission was, he prayed, the Bible says, sweat drops of blood. And he agonized in prayer and he said, Lord, if it would be your will. Let's see if you know your Bible here. Here we go. Let this cup Pass from me. It was not a rebellious, Lord, I don't want to do this. It was an obedient, humble adoration to God the Father. If it would be your will, let this cup pass from me. This was in humble acknowledgement and obedience to God. Now, we'll continue reading. He was heard because of his reverence. Verse number 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. If you keep reading this whole uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse verse number 9, and all the way down, talking about this order, that in verse number 11, but about this, it may not be on your screen. He'll explain. That people in the latter day will be dull of hearing. For though by this time we ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you against the basic principles of the oracle of God. You'll need milk. You'll need solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. And he is a child, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's why I said to you earlier or a moment ago that in a church of our size, we have diversity of maturity level. We have some who are newborn babes. We have a a man by the name of Julio who just... Four weeks ago, received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. We have folks that maybe, what I would say, you haven't really been in church. Others, you've been in church. You're mature in the faith. We give you the word of God, and the word of God goes forth. The spirit of God comes alive in our hearts. We're grateful for that. But if you are newborn babes in Christ, it says, oh, you might, you might sit in your seat, and you might like, wow, that's, I don't understand everything, and... May I say this to you? That's okay. That's why you keep coming. The Bible says, "And faith comes by hearing." and Hearing by the word of God. That's why God calls and gives a commandment to pastors and to teachers and to preachers to be faithful to the word and to be instant, in season, out of season, and to give the word faithfully to feed the flock of God because there are people of different maturity levels all over. Don't get frustrated that that this person can't understand the meat of the word. Likewise, mature believers don't get frustrated when someone says, I don't understand everything because there are newborn babes. That's why I love that our church lately, we've been, uh, yesterday we had a children's ministry event and we had new families come visit us for the very first time that hasn't been to our church service. That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. People within the community are coming to check out. What's that children's ministry of I don't understand Jesus, but I want to I know what you're all about. And I want my children to come. That's why I'm grateful when God gives us new people. And we have Chaz and Kirsten. They're new to our church. This is their second week in our church but I'm grateful that somebody within the church invited them to come visit our church. Dave, I'm glad that you're in our church. I'm glad that you're in our church. I'm glad that you're, everyone is their diversity. That's what family is all about. Now I wanna talk about that word family because everybody in the family is not all of the same age, are they? But yet sometimes in the church, we get frustrated that people aren't the same like us. Same maturity level, same understanding, same, same everything. A family is a diversity of people with one headship, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters. And sometimes we may get on each other's nerves, but at the end of the day, we are family. That's the beauty of the maturity of the believer is because I recognize that my son Caleb just turned 16, and then I have another son who's 12 years old and another son who's nine. All three of them aren't exactly the same. They're so different, and that's what being a family is all about, celebrating one another because God has given us one another for the betterment of one another. I need you. Did you hear that? I need you. You help me to be a better person. You help me to be a better Christian. You help me to be accountable to the word of God. You help me be accountable in life. Dave McQuinn, one of our elders, sent me, a, sent me a, a, an email early this morning. and It was a, about a certain topic, and I read it. I love it. It wasn't, why did you send that to me, Dave? Do you think I have issues? And the answer is, I do have issues. And if you don't know me well enough, my issues have issues. My issues need tissues for my issues. Yes, I didn't take offense to that. It was encouragement for one another. That same email, another brother who received that email sent it to a different group of men that is unassociated with your email, Dave. And so I got to read it in another email. Like, yes, that's what it's all about. Gideon, it's part of the family of God, isn't it? That's what it's all about. You may be from Maine. You may be from North Carolina. You may be from the Northeast, and you might even be from Canada. But we love you because we are a family. And that's being obedient to God. They were faithful to understand it. Now, I'm going to fast forward the rest of this. Here's what they did. They obeyed God and they left the consequences to God. They didn't say, they didn't, Daryl, they didn't say, let's see if we did this in my mind, if we did this, this is the outcome. Have you ever practiced that exercise in your mind before? If it's good to obey and it works out in my favor, then I'll obey. That was not their scenario. Sherry, their scenario was we would obey God rather than man, even if that meant we're right back in prison. Now, we don't know if we're going to be back in prison or not. We're just going to leave the consequences to God. You see, in our humanistic thinking, we like to reason, especially you smarty pants. You like to work out the outcome. So you start backwards. Backwards. You start with, if I do this and I know the outcome, then I can rewind it. And then you're just going to moonwalk all the way back. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Obedience to God is not based on favorable outcome. Obedience to God is trusting and obeying. Trust and obey for there is no other way. That's how you live in God. The Bible says that you cannot come to God by faith. And not only can you not come to God, but by faith, faith, it is, the word is impossible. Can everyone say impossible? It is impossible to please God, but by faith. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust the Lord with some of your heart. Oh, you know the Bible, apparently. I'm teasing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in some of your ways. Oh, you still know the Bible. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he he might. He will direct your path. You see, when we understand the word of God, we are able to trust. Obedience is the the, the next word that comes, that proceeds as a sister word to the word obedience is the word trust. When I was a younger daddy and my children were younger, I would put my children on the counter and I would hold them on that counter and I would say something like, all right, Caleb, Come on, jump to daddy. And you ever see children where they're like, uh. actually, for the most part, children are very sincere and trusting. They do not say, now dad, as a one-year-old, let's have a conversation. So according to the law of gravity, if I go forward, I'm going to follow. The outcome is not favorable for me. So I want to make sure that are your hands, have you been working out? (laughs) Because if I do fall into your arms, are you strong enough to hold me? Are you really going to hold me? Are you messing with me? (laughs) Those aren't the conversations. Oh, we in faith say to our son, all right, basically we're saying, trust me. Come on, come on. Come, 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 come. And all of a sudden you see that smile and they just jump and they leap and they go forward. Why? Because there's a trust factor. There's a trust factor. And the Bible says, come to God as little. You know your Bible. You're doing good. I'm going to give you all A's going out this door. Listen, when you obey God, you trust God. You trust God. God. Part of obedience is trusting God. Obedience, may I say this to you? Obedience is an attitude we have to learn to embrace. It's not a trait we automatically acquire when we become Christians. Great, I'm a Christian now. I'm trusting God. What are those 10 commandments? Got it. <laughs> Done. What are, those, what are all the other principles of the Bible? Give me thou shalt not. I, I'm doing all of them. <laughs> no. No. It's a challenge, but it's by faith and it's by trust. And so we believe God by faith. Noah didn't have that understanding. So he said, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and God took Noah's faith and counted it for righteousness. Faith, obedience, and trust, they're brothers and sisters. They're all connected. Thankfully, the Bible gives us clear instructions on how to obey God and Jesus provided us a perfect example of submission to the Father. Obedience must be learned and put into practice in both our, everyone say these next two words, attitudes and actions. Now, if I said to uh, my children, all right, Carter or Corbin, I want you to, uh, to vacuum the whole house or take out all the trash. And if they only took out one trash, the kitchen trash, did they obey or disobey? They disobeyed. Because obedience is not limited or partial. Sometimes we do what is selective in our obedience. That works out for me, so therefore I will do it. And so we have what we call selective or partial obedience. God wants all of our obedience. And he wants it. In the Old Testament, it was about keeping the law, but Jesus gave us a greater example. And he says this in reference to some of the commandments. You you might not have killed someone, but if you have hated someone in your heart, in your attitude, you have already committed murder in your heart. That was a greater commandment. Oh, so you thought that This Old Testament was okay, but then he gives us a New Testament and a New Covenant, and we're like, oh, that was even harder. Jesus, I thought you came to give us grace, and he did. But he was reflecting that he was the sufficiency of the fulfillment of the commandments. There was an old, uh, how many of you remember the old Charlie Brown and Snoopy little clips? I grew up on those. I haven't seen the newspaper. I think newspapers are things that are in hard copy that they share around. I have the internet now, so I don't get to use it as much. But they used to have the comic section, and uh, Charlie Brown came over to Snoopy, and Snoopy was sitting on top of his house, his little dog house, and he was typing. And Charlie Brown said, Snoopy, what are you doing? And Charlie, uh, uh, Charlie Brown was asking Snoopy, and Snoopy said, I'm writing a book on theology, and he answered. Charlie said, really? He said, yeah, I am. And he said, what's the title of your book? And the title was, has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? <laughs> Sometimes we obey because we think we're right, <laughs> or we disobey because we think we're right, either one. But has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? I want to give you several things. I'm just going to shotgun these. Is that all right with you? If you have a pen, there's a pen right in front of you. You can write it in your bulletin. All right, I'm going to go fast. Number one, obedience is doing what God says. When he says it, how he says it, for whatever reason he says it, or with whom he says it. I know that's a mouthful, and you can grab a life group note when you walk out, and all of this will be available for you if you don't want to take notes because... Your handwriting is atrocious. (laughs) I'm teasing. Grab it on your way out. There's no room for passivity when it comes to obeying the Father. This level of commitment requires active choice, or what I'll refer to as active faith. It's constant. It's not a one-time, okay, I'll choose to obey God and I'm done. It's all of the time. Number two, partial obedience is the greatest enemy to obedience. If the Lord gives instructions, he expects us to do exactly what he has said. If we're allowing things in our lives that don't fit our identity in Christ, we're only partially obeying him. Number three, the Garden of Eden was God's first classroom to teach obedience. You say, really? Well, I'll tell you. The importance of doing what the Lord says is demonstrated in the story of Adam and Eve. God didn't talk to them about faith and humility. He talked to them about obedience. This tree thou shalt not eat. It was not about obeying and worshiping in that context. It was about their obedience to God. You see, as believers, we've got to nail this down. That's why if you have not yet been scripturally baptized, you must obey God in being scripturally baptized. That is the first commandment as a new believer in the faith, to obey God in in the ordinance of scriptural baptism. That's one of the acts of obedience to God. I believe that Jesus Christ died. He was buried and he rose again. It is my identity in Christ as a believer, spiritually speaking. Number four, Jesus is our pattern for obedience. I love what what he said in the book of John chapter number four, my food or my meat, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's obedience. Number five, living in obedience to God requires that we obey the great commandment and the great commission. Now you say, what is the greatest commandment? The Bible says, according to uh, the teaching of the gospels, that the greatest commandment, according to Matthew chapter number 22, verse number 37 through 40, you can write that down. What is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is to, maybe you know it, love the Lord your God. And it wasn't done as he said that. And the second commandment, he said, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the greatest commandment. If that is the greatest commandment, that means we have to obey. When someone commands you something, you've got to say the word again obey. God gives us the greatest commandment. He expects us to obey. You must love the Lord your God, Marcus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. In a different context. Then he says, now the second, the second part of this is likened unto the first. You need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, I want to talk about loving your neighbor. Everyone take out your bulletin. Take out your bulletin, and we have something on the, on the inside of your bulletin called faith promise missions. How do we obey God in the great commandment and the great commission? Because really, in essence, they're one and the same. Because in the great commission, you say, what? Excuse me, what is the great commission? The great commission is found in also in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. It says this, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all power, all dunamis in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here it is. Verse number 19. We talked about it last week. When the angel of the Lord set The apostle's free. What did the angel tell him to do? Go. Go and proclaim the word of the Lord. What you have seen and what you have heard, go and tell. So now, in verse number 19, look at Matthew. Verse number 28, chapter 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have. What's the next word? Commanded you. When you command, you have to obey. God commands us. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Active obedience requires us to understand the context of true obedience, the great commandment and the great commission. We must obey. As a New Testament, local New Testament church, we have a command from our Savior, Jesus Christ to obey. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Now, help by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Go and preach the gospel, teach the gospel, win, baptize, invite people to church, all those things. That's what he was telling them to do in that context. The Great Commission and Great Command. Faith Promise Missions is something that we are newly introducing in the life of our church because we want to honor God We want to obey God in the great commandment and the great commission. And so we have chosen as a church leadership to say, to help our church financially in this financial season of our church, we are going to help take away $50,000 from our operating budget so that we can say as a church, we're going to commit in faith that we still love the great commission because that's the word of God, but we are going to do it as an offering. Now you say, what's the difference between a tithe and an offering? And a tithe is something that God commands us to do according to the scriptures, is to give a percentage. And the the Bible has used the word as a reference to give 10% of our income back to God, to the storehouse of God. That's what we call a tithe. But an offering, an offering is above and beyond our tithe as our love and expression to God. So an offering is anything. It could be a penny. It could. It's not significant on the value amount. It is just out of the abundance of my love for God and obedience, I'm going to now not just obey, I'm going to honor. And so I worship God through different means, and one of that is through an offering. And so this way faith promises as an offering, meaning we are going to take that $50,000 and say, how do we engage in missions as a church knowing that we have removed that from our budget and now we're still, we have 20 missionaries that we still engage in with support. We are going to do that by being collective as a church. Some may say, I choose to give $5 a week and praise the Lord for that. Some may choose to say, you know what? I want to give $10 a week. Praise God for that. The number amount is not of significance or importance. Other than what am I doing in the great commandment and the great commission? Because if that is a commandment and a commission of God, I want to obey. And I would rather obey God than man. Because man, me, Chanta, if I'm talking to myself, you know what? You don't have to worry about the great commission because, you know, that is going to be for John and Teresa's job. Because God has gifted them for that. No? That is for all of us. Remember, it's not partial obedience. We must obey in full. Now, I'm going to keep going here. I've got about three minutes left, and we've got to close up, all right? Number one, choose, uh, number next, whatever next is, choose to trust him. If we don't trust God, we are not obeying God. You can write down Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Number, two, uh, number next. Meditate upon his word every day. We will never live obediently with a closed Bible because that's God's primary means of leading us. He gave us his word. Number three, next, I mean, (laughs) walk when the way is not clear. If you, I'll say the whole thing, we'll miss the Lord's will on our lives if we refuse to take steps of obedience until we know what God, what's going on, what's going to happen. We're walking in that season of our church right now. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. So in my faith, we're going to continue to worship, to to follow him in his leading, and we're going to honor him. God generally does doesn't reveal the entire path because with each step, Into the unknown, he's strengthening our faith. I'm going to read that one more time so we can absorb that. God generally doesn't reveal the entire path because with each step into the unknown, he's strengthening our faith. The Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. You know what lamps do? Lamps don't light up the whole room, do they? So that's why God... Commands us to live by faith. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm going to trust God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. It's guiding me. See, I'm trusting in my Savior every step of the way. Number next. Decide to experience possible conflict. That's what the apostles chose. They didn't know it for sure, but they decided to obey despite the outcome. Number next, leave the consequences to God. I said that earlier. When he challenges us to obey, our minds could be filled with doubts. Sometimes you can fix it upon the situation, What if it doesn't work out? Our job is to simply obey him and then watch him work. You know, God, when God works, he does amazing things. When I work, I am limited. But when God works, he is unlimited. The last one, and we're done. Accept divine chastisement in response to obedience. Uh, disobedience (laughs) me so sorry (laughs) my English my English not so good (laughs) I still learning when we choose to disobey our heavenly father has a way thy rod and thy staff they comfort me but it's also to keep us in God they're not to whack us God's not out there. Oh, I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting, Leslie Bowen, for you to mess up. Not at all. Thy rod is to protect from evil. And it's also to keep us close together as a family. That's why when sheep start going astray, he doesn't whack. He makes sure he lovingly guides. Remember the Gospels? It says that he would be willing to leave the 99 to rescue the one. One. The rod is there to bring you back in because we're safer together. Can everyone say that? We're safer together. But when we start venturing out on our own, we're vulnerable. That's what we don't want to be as a church. Obey God. Not man. Not the pastor. Not the elder. Not the teacher. Obey God. I, we, would rather obey God. That's an easy verse to remember this week. Acts 5, 29, we ought to obey God rather than man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Let's all stand to our feet. If you need to obey God because he's nudging something in your heart to follow the Lord in obedience and to deal with it, We have prayer partners to my right, to your left, that will pray with you about something. If you want to pray by yourself, we have access on your right, my left, to pray by yourself in private. Either one, as God is dealing with you in your heart, you obey God. Don't obey me. Don't obey the preacher, the teacher that's up here. This is not about obey what I just told you. No, 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 no. You obey what the Holy Spirit of God and what the Word of God has prompted you in your heart today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you do business with God as you need to. If you are here today and you are not a child of God, you need to accept the love of the Father. He loves you and He wants to receive you as a child, as a son, as a daughter. He wants to give you a new name and a new home in heaven and He wants to receive you today. If you are new to Christianity or new to the faith, and but maybe God's been working in your heart, new to our church even, but God's working in your heart, you have been brought here for such a time as this, and we love you, and we want to walk the journey with you. And maybe He's nudging you in your heart right now. Obey God. And receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today for the forgiveness of your sins. If that is you today, our prayer partners are standing ready to receive you, to love you, to pray with you. If that's you today, and I'd like to just simply know that by just lifting up your hands. Is there anybody like that today? Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I've never received Jesus Christ as my Savior, personal Savior. But today, I want to put my faith in Him. Here's my hand as a testimony to that. Is there anybody like that today? Is there anybody like that today? You do business with God and only with God. Joel, our worship leader, is going to sing. As he sings, as God works in your heart, you do business with God. And then I'll come back at the end, Joel, to
1: close us. I know. you will remain after the day is gone
0: trust God? He never changes. He's immutable. He's infallible. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He has never failed. Money back guaranteed. You can trust him. Father, bless your word as it it goeth forth. Do the work of your spirit throughout all of this week. Do the work of your word all of this week. And may we, as your children, learn to trust and obey, for there is no other way. Acts 5, 29, we would rather obey God than man. We choose to walk and trust in you by faith. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Go forth be blessed in the Lord have a great day